but it, it almost reminds me of, uh, it was a Thomas Merton. I think it's Merton who says. I love Thomas Merton. Um, I love Merton. Absolutely. But, it, but Merton's Merton, one of my best friends that I've never met. Yes. Yes. Uh, that's a good description for him. I stole it from somebody. <laughs> Because I also, I also thought that's a really great description. <laughs> My best friend that I've never met. Welcome to the West Pod, a place where Wesleyan theology and real life meet. And we're all just holding on to the promise that the best of all is God is with us. Hey, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of the West Pod. I'm your host, Kristen. And I'm John. And we are back this week with a look at what it means to say we have free will. So if you've been following us last week, we had an episode on sin where we talked a little bit about original sin, um, corporate sin, individual sin, uh, being told we're no good, very bad people versus uh, God saying that uh, we are good, good, uh, which I don't think we actually used last week. And we missed an opportunity, John. Did we not use it? I don't think we did. Week before we did talk about being good, good, but not last week. Yeah, I'm trying to listen. I'm trying to think back. We might have missed the opportunity. I think we did, which stinks. But hey, we are not missing the opportunity this week to incorporate the articles of religion into our talk. Oh, every week. Every week. Absolutely. So, John, um, before you think about theology, Mm -hmm. before you think about what you learned in seminary, um, when you think about the words free will, what is it that springs to your mind? Um, a little boy on a journey with a killer whale in captivity. Wow. <laughs> Free Willy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's a okay. that's a 90s uh, movie with way too yeah. many sequels. I, I close my eyes to lie down at night and I'm standing out on, <laughs> on, a, on a slippery stony jetty <laughs> and uh, looking up into the air with my arms raised while this orca... Flies over my head, dripping so, water on me. So you are the boy who frees the whale. Yeah. Is that what I'm hearing? Yes. Oh, <laughs> I'm so proud of you. It takes a high level of empathy. Haven't we been talking about how you're like not the empathetic person? Um, according to my Myers-Briggs INTP bingo card that's, <laughs> that's available <laughs> on the internet, um, I have very low empathy. Oh, man. You know, I saw you post that and I pulled Mm -hmm. up my ENFP bingo card and I sent a picture of it to my best friend up in Illinois. And I said, I really feel exposed right now. And she said, oh, I can't see why. Yeah, well, very dry. I heard it through the text message, how dry it was. (laughs) Yeah. Well, the funny thing is, is then my um, my wife got on my Facebook post with my INTP bingo card and she like marked off with a check mark what she thought was fairly accurate and then circled <laughs> the ones that she's like, oh, this is definitely true. And one of the ones she circled was actually low empathy. Aww. So, but I mean, it's no, it's not news. It's available publicly on Facebook now. So there you go. Not really breaking any news. Oh, well, then I guess we'll not talk about that anymore. Yeah. Uh, I will. I will have all the empathy that you are unable to have. That's, that's, you know, I handle having low empathy, uh, according to the internet, by surrounding myself uh, with people who are em- more empathetic than I, so. Well, there you go. There we go. We're a good match. So, back to free will, um, not free willy. Yeah, no, uh, I got yeah. that completely wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This is, this is not the pop culture podcast. This is the <laughs> theology podcast. Yeah. No, I, when, you know, when I think of free will, just in general, I just, hey, I get to do what I want. 
you know, like um, when, so I, my, part of my childhood, I grew up uh, on Little Rock Air Force Base mm-hmm. for, for a time. Um, and on the Air Force Base, when children turned 10 years old, you could go down and get your military ID card. And you had to have that to, to do transactions at uh, the different stores on the Air Force Base, uh, whether it was the Base Exchange, the BX, um, the AFES BX, um, or the uh, Shopette, which was like a little convenience store uh-huh. not too far from where we lived uh, at 114 Mississippi Loop. And, you know, by that time I could ride my bike and my friends and I would just freely ride our bikes all over the place. Um, but when we turned 10, we could get our ID cards and go down to the shopette by ourselves and like, buy candy and, uh, <laughs> and, and drinks, like, especially See the, where this is going, <laughs> you know, the clearly Canadian drinks. Remember those like carbonated oh, yeah. flavored water things? Oh, those things are terrible. Oh, Sorry, clearly Canadian. Um, and, um, um, by the way, thanks for clarifying yeah. that BX was base exchange. Um, yes. I just grew up calling it the BX. I never actually knew yeah, it was BX the base, was base exchange. exchange. <laughs> uh, it could also be called a PX, which is a post exchange. So if you're on like an army post, it's the PX. Nice. Okay. Um, and the other thing is, I think in other places, the police force is the MP, the military police, but mm-hmm. we had the SPs, the security police, I think. Mm-hmm. So anyway. Little little things from my childhood. Maybe all those abbreviations for things um, that or, you or acronyms that helped me be Methodist as an adult. Absolutely. <laughs> anyway, that, that was like freedom. Get on my bike with my friends, uh, ride down to the shopette, and use my military ID card to make a transaction with my pocket change. And like that was free will. I just got to do it. was like freedom. I could do what I wanted. Whatever you wanted. Within the confines of... You know, not going too far from home and not wanting to buy something <laughs> that costs more than 79 cents. <laughs> <laughs> so how did that um, how did that understanding change when you mm-hmm. were introduced to the church? Did it stay? I can do what I want. Um, did it when did you start to kind of shift or has there yeah. been a shift? Is it still essentially there's, I can do what I want? There's no, there has been a shift uh, along with, uh, like, I think, a maturation where I began to um work the the concept of free will into my faith life um was just you know hey i have i have the ability not to do bad things that Mm -hmm. was kind of where it started i think i can choose not to do bad things that's funny uh the articles of religion Mm -hmm. would disagree with you yeah what Yeah. yeah so that that like an early understanding and and you know, in, in the theology of John Wesley, um, you know, where, where we're rooting so much of our discussion mm-hmm. as, you know, hey, this is a Wesleyan um, uh, view on this kind of doctrine. Uh, you know, he actually kind of started in that same place himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was in kind of in the water, in the air, in the Church of England at the time, uh, was something that he would kind of refer to as, um, and and theologians that study Wesley and like Albert Atler would refer to as a gospel of moral rectitude, Mm -hmm. um, which held that, yeah, you know, a person is born with the original sin and and then they are baptized and they experience baptismal regeneration, uh, which means, you know, they are, they're made new creatures in their baptism. And then the free will comes in on this moral rectitude side Mm -hmm. where they just choose not to do bad things. And that's the Christian life. Um, and, and, and Wesley life. lived with that for a long time until 
he began to wrestle with it and mm-hmm. and he shifted and matured uh, into a direction that we're going to get as this episode goes. Um, so I actually kind of understand his journey through that because it, it kind of tracks with my own. Um, and before we get there, you know, just we'll just say, hey, my 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 view kind of matured into I think what we're going to get to. <laughs> so I don't want to just. <laughs> So uh, you, give you it, left give behind the Cartman-esque, I can do what I want. Yeah, I can do what I want. Yeah. <laughs> maybe maybe not make those references in a theology yeah, podcast. Or, a, you know, yeah, maybe no South, South Park, Park has a lot to offer theology. You know, for Just for the record, I've actually never seen an episode of that show. Only, <laughs> you just know that Cartman I've, says, I've I do what I want. <laughs> as, I've hardly seen any episodes of any TV shows. I've just seen a lot of YouTube clips in my day. <laughs> Like my entertainment and short bites that you have know, no commitment. <laughs> it's only a 30-minute show, John. That's too <laughs> it's much. It's not even that long. Um, <laughs> that's okay. You, you've you not missed a whole lot of uh, anything except for satire. So, um, yeah. So, in the Articles of Religion, um, that the free will conversation kind of hits um, in the Book of Discipline. It's, it's Article 8, mm-hmm. and um, it's this nice, long little paragraph about how we can't do good on our own. Um, and it reminds us that kind of left to our own devices, we, we choose ourselves yeah. every single time. Uh, but John Wesley, uh, well... John Wesley. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, the Articles of Religion will say that. The Articles yeah. of Religion actually say, you know what? No, there's there's this preventing grace mm-hmm. thing that you need to be reminded of. And it's named directly in that article. It is. Right? And so there's a heavy reliance on this theology that we've already talked about a couple of weeks ago about prevenient grace. Um, yeah. So what, what it boils down to, and it's, it's just a few sentences long in this paragraph, is all the good that we can ever do is through the grace of God yes. and by the grace of God. Right. Um, and yeah. so it it all boils down to um, it, our response to God's grace. And so um, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm intrigued at how that kind of unfolds when we talk about free will, because if mm-hmm. we... If we just say we're talking about free will, that kind of ends the conversation, right? All yeah. the good we can ever do is just by the grace of God. Yeah. Except that <laughs> free will kind of uh, begins to encompass the way we talk about evil, the way we talk about um, God's uh, providence and power in the world. Yeah. Um, talks about uh, it, you know whether the way we our, view sin. Yeah. Whether or not our salvation is determined right. for us, or or salvation or damnation is determined. Right. Uh, what do we have a role to play in that? It, and it, it's such a wide subject. Mm-hmm. Um, which which I think so. It's good to have a place to kind of root it out of. Like we said, it connects back to that subject of original sin. Mm-hmm. Um, and for Wesley, you know, it, where even though he started with that kind of gospel of moral rectitude, mm-hmm. and that you know freedom, you know, freedom of the human will, really meant that you had the freedom to choose not to do bad things, essentially. Right? Yeah. Um, he eventually saw that that was limited. Mm-hmm. That, you know, that, that there was more to that, and and got to. The place where, um, you know, yes, we, yes, we are, yes, we have this original sin. Yes, we have this heart inclined toward evil. Um, but like you said, by God's grace, we are empowered. We are enabled by the Holy Spirit to be able to choose to do good, mm-hmm. right? Um, and that's really kind of the direction that He takes with it. But especially, um, 
when we're thinking about prevenient grace and justifying grace and sanctifying grace, going back to the discussion on grace, um, you know, especially when it comes to the subject of justification mm-hmm. and you know that process of salvation, um, of putting our faith and our trust in Christ and Christ alone. Um, you know, do we have choice in that matter? And what Wesley would say there is um, that before God's grace intervenes and that with that prevenient preventing grace, um, we're not in a place where we can even make that choice for faith. Mm-hmm. It's only because of the grace of God, the Holy Spirit coming in and and empowering us, enabling us, showing us our need mm-hmm. that we are then put in a place where we can make a decision for faith. Because it's important in our tradition to say that, yes, we do choose faith. Mm-hmm. Yes, we do uh, make a conscious choice, conscious choice to follow Jesus, to say, yes, uh, yes, Jesus, I trust you as my Lord, my Savior. Yes, I follow you. Um, and that's part of what confirmation, this whole process is about, right? right? Preparing to go before the church and say, yes, I choose this faith as my own. Mm-hmm. Um, Whereas there are other traditions that would say no, um, the human, uh, the human doesn't, ch- you know, the human subject does not choose faith for or against faith, but rather that's a actually a predetermined decision made by God, right, right in eternity past sometime. Um, and then there are modified versions of that as, as well. It's not fair to say it's only this way or that way. Yeah. Um, it- but there is a spectrum there of does the human person choose for or against faith, or does, or is that something that's predetermined for them? Right. And that's a big question in Wesley's theology. And, and you know, the, the Calvinists that um, that preached the message of that de- kind of deterministic view, um, he, he kind of warred with them. He fought back and forth against them. He struggled with them um, in his day. And it's important to point out that, you know, they would have been called Calvinists, followers of John Calvin, mm-hmm. um, a, a church reformer, uh, you know, in the 16th century and, and you know, the Central European continent around Switzerland, uh, t- closely tied to the city of Geneva. Uh, and Wesley kind of fell in uh, the teachings of a Dutch theologian named Jacob Arminius. And so mm-hmm. he's referred to as an Arminian theologian, which kind of highlighted that... Um, uh, that that capacity of the human to have free will and for salvation not to be determined. So that's where Wesley located himself. So yeah. he was already in that camp, but he kind of developed with it as he went. It's yeah. it's the difference, um, and I I could be jumping off um, into my um, kind of my spiritual formation, um, my love of spiritual formation, honestly. Uh, but it it almost reminds me of uh, it was it Thomas Merton. I think it's Merton. Who says? I love Thomas Merton. Um, I love Merton absolutely. But it, but Merton's Merton, one of my best friends that I've never met. Yes, yes, uh, that's a good description for him. I stole it from somebody <laughs> because I also I also thought that's a really great description. <laughs> <laughs> my best friend that I've never met. That's a great description. Yeah. So so I think it's Merton who says that the essential never imposes itself, mm-hmm. but the non-essential always imposes itself right and so mm-hmm. when we when we think about god and god's love and god's power um it really kind of leans into um this description that that merton gives this idea that that god as a god of love is a god of freedom um and uh that that love can never be coercive it can mm-hmm. only ever be persuasive right um which leads us down a whole nother rabbit yeah. hole that we don't want to dive down today and on process theology but but i think that idea that 
that the essential never imposes itself, kind of follows mm. and treks right along, though Merton was was not Wesleyan. Yeah. Um, it does kind Roman of, Catholic. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It does kind of trek along with um, some Wesleyan thought about mm-hmm. free will that, um, you know, there is... Um, there is that kind of that Calvinist view of God that that there is a predestined, predetermined, yeah. you know, God is all-knowing, all-powerful, always there, um, all the omnis, right? Um, and part of those is, yeah. is that all-knowing means that nothing happens without God's mm-hmm. preordaining it to happen. And, and Merton this in is that where we get saying— into, Yeah, and this is where we get into a theodicy. Right. I don't mean the story by Homer— no, no, the, not the Odyssey, uh, the Odyssey. <laughs> but the Odyssey, Odyssey. The, the theological subject. Of, right. If what, God is all knowing and God is all powerful. Why what do, do we do evil, with evil? Why do evil and suffering exist? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And classic theological conundrum. It is, yeah. and and one will try not to. It will necessarily. We will talk about it, but we'll try not to go down too much of the rabbit hole. Um, but Merton seems to agree with another theologian I really like in the 60s who who writes about God and um, the power of God, and, and his name's Austin Ferrer. He's a British theologian. Oh, you said theologian. I thought you were going to say, like, Jim Morrison or something. Oh, no. Oh, I know. He wasn't a theologian. <laughs> he was a rock and roll guy. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. He's he's playing guitar somewhere. Um, so, no, no, no. Austin Ferrer. Sorry, I'm um, just totally stereotyping the 60s. By the way, point of trivia. Oh, this let's totally do it. From and then memory, we'll come so back I'm, to this, Ferrer. This, okay. this is from memory, so I might get this wrong. So we might have to call our fact-checking booth into play on this. All right. Uh, Thomas Merton died, I believe, December the 10th, 1968. I think you're right. He It was very unexpected. Yeah, he... Um, Incredibly unexpected. It involved a, uh, an electrical cord, like getting out of the mm-hmm. bathtub, just kind of an accident. Uh-huh. Um, there was another famous 20th century theologian who died on that very same day. Who was that? Carl Bart. I did not know that Bart and Merton died on the same day, really. Yeah, December the 10th, 1968, death day of Thomas Merton and Carl Bart. Carl Bart, one of the wow. main like theological thinkers of the 20th century, and then Thomas yeah. Merton, one of the I think one of the strongest voices in uh, Catholic spiritual formation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, same day. Wow. Well, the world lost two great voices um, one fateful day. Uh, you just super blew my mind. And now I've got to come back. Um, Our fact check booth has <laughs> confirmed the information. Wow. So, That's incredible. Yeah, I got something right today. I'm going to go home. You're, you're done. Mic drop. Please don't drop the mic. They're very expensive. Um, <laughs> Blake would not be happy with us, and we want to keep him happy. Um, no. Okay, back to Austin Ferrer, who is talking about um, 1960s God's will. 1960s British theologian. Yes. Forgot where we were for a second. <laughs> But he he doesn't write about God's like all powerful will so much as he does God's mm-hmm. permitting will. Yeah. Right. Um, and so that's where when we talk about free will, is God permitting mm. or is God preordaining? Um, yeah. And when we think about permitting will, I could go back to and maybe because it really it really is my favorite story in the Bible. I go back to Eden. Um, into Genesis three, mm-hmm. where you've got God who has created and then and then is in relationship with humanity. And what I find fascinating about this story in Genesis three is God takes a step back 
right? Like realizes that humanity might need some space and some alone time. I mean, God doesn't break up with them. It's not a, it's not you, it's me (laughs) thing, right? It's just like, y'all need some space and and you've got to be able to, to live in this world. And, and so what do we do as soon as, as soon as God gives us that space? Well, we choose to, to eat the fruit and, yeah. um, we, we mess up. Right. And our hearts are inclined <laughs> toward evil. Right. And, and so in that, um, in that is not a God who preordains us to mess up. Right. But a God who creates the possibility mm. for us to choose. Mm. Right. Um, and so that's that's just something that I gravitate toward right, when yeah. I think about free will is that this is a God of possibility. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and if we and that, I think that kind of translates over into the Wesleyan idea, right, that mm-hmm. God who kind of permits us to to have free will. I mean, the, the Wesleyan way of saying that would be like it's the God who gives us the grace necessary to have free will. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's um, it's a very humbling thing when we think about it. Um it's a huge responsibility yeah and, and it's kind of scary because it's a lot easier on me emotionally to think well god just planned all this out i don't have to make any decisions this is all preordained this is all predetermined um so the responsibility is not on me the responsibility is just on god and i can trust that right um a little scarier to think god actually wants me to make good choices right <laughs> um, i'm i'm ultimately responsible for mm-hmm. leaning into this grace and responding to this grace yeah. and, and i'm responsible for bearing witness to the world of this what god has done in me and what god has done doing in the church right i'm responsible for speaking out against um you know sin in the world uh and evil in the world in whatever form it may represent itself mm-hmm. i'm responsible for doing uh good in the world and representing right. the kingdom of God in that. Um, and so it, it puts a lot of responsibility on the individual, yeah. on the individual subject for which we need even more grace. <laughs> do you do you think then that, and maybe this is a paradox um, and, and another rabbit hole that we, we could really dive down for an hour or two hours on, but do you mm-hmm. think then that what we might be saying is that God's power is not so much in God's ability to control any yeah. given situation, but that God's power lies in the ability to step back and be vulnerable. Um, right? Yeah. Yeah, I, I have to chew on that. I think it's a really good way of positing it, though. Um, I, you know, from my perspective, from my human subject perspective, um, it kind of scares me to think that God would step back because I feel like any good that I do is only because God's already there doing it and mm-hmm. working in it. Yeah. And then like the free will for me comes in with God gives me the grace to choose to join in with what God's already doing. And so I guess that that works in with like that kind of omnipresence of God idea. Um, I mean, Pastor Betsy around here. Every, every, I mean, if you're around White's Chapel, if you're not, if you're listening to this, and you're not from the White's Chapel community. Um, Pastor Betsy uh, Godbold is just a uh, force to be reckoned with, and, and Christian her name is for- Godbold. I mean, come <laughs> yeah, on, a force to be reckoned with um, in pastoral care and support work and spiritual formation work around here. Um, and my, when I was here at this church serving in an appointment um, five years ago, preparing to go plant a church, um, you know, uh, Pastor John McKellar. Um, uh, you know, one of our, our co-senior pastors said, hey, I want you to have a, a spiritual formation director, spiritual director. And mm-hmm. I was thinking, uh, I don't 
where do I go? And then Betsy was like, hey, I, I've got some time and space. And I was like, yeah, let's do that. And when I remember those so many deep conversations with Betsy and, um, and just digging deeper into some of what my motivations were and, and my, my prayer life. Um, and um, she would just say these really profound things like, mm-hmm. hey, um, there's a difference between making something happen and letting something happen, you know, and I would mm-hmm. have to chew on it for weeks on end. <laughs> Yeah, she got she got me today. Uh, yeah. I'm coming off of a spiritual retreat, and uh-huh. and I was talking to her on the way in, and uh, she said, "Hey, uh, do me a favor," and I said, "Sure." And she said, "Be mindful of the transition." <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, okay. Yeah. Thank you. And and it kind of struck me after we hung up, like what an invitation to remember. I'm going from like a few days of silence back into the chaos of this world. Right. Um, be mindful of the transition. Yeah, she and, just and drops those start, bombs on you. Yeah, and by the way, before we start recording <laughs> our conversations, like getting into you know show planning, I just was like, oh, by the way, you were gone all week on a spiritual retreat. Here's all the stressful stuff that happened while you were gone. You know, <laughs> <laughs> so be mindful of the transition. Yeah, yeah um, but you know, one of the things that Betsy gifted me with was this um, and some direction on how to do a hospital visit, right? Mm-hmm. You know, hey, when you go and visit somebody who's in, you know, in the hospital, they've had surgery, or they have an illness, or they're they're grieving uh, something, they're they're in a very vulnerable place. Um, just remember that you know they'll probably want you to come and pray with them and, and represent the church and represent God's presence in in them. But just remember that you don't take God in there with you. God was already there, and when you leave. You don't take God with you. God mm-hmm. stays there. Um, and, and it's just that idea that God is already present and at work in mm-hmm. the world. Um, and so like the free will thing is like, yeah, God gives me grace to go out and do good works, to work for the good, to represent the kingdom of God, the, the name of Jesus Christ in the world, the mission of the church. Um, but it's like God gives me the grace to choose to enter into what God's already doing. I guess yeah. that's kind of like how I connect the two. It, but but I get like where the thought was going, like God kind of like stepping back a little bit to yeah. give you the space. And maybe stepping back is yeah. a poor choice of words, right? But maybe yeah. maybe that God, um, that God even allows of, the openness for us yeah. to say, no, I don't think I'm going to respond to this love. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like, right? like that is a vulnerable... That's a vulnerable act. Um, yeah, you know, the vulnerability to, part of that piece. I, I definitely right. Yeah, because God does offer. God offers us everything in Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. God offers us love and grace and mercy, and yet God tells us that we can say no. Yeah. Or God allow you know it's, a God who doesn't determine our response. A God mm-hmm. who lets us choose. Um, right. And if we want to say yes, it's you know, God helps us say yes. Right? Yeah. But we can still say no. And we can even say no later on after we've said yes. That's another <laughs> point in Wesleyan theology, right? Like it's not, it's not the once saved, always saved thing. You, right? can, you can step back you can say from no that salvation later At any on. point in time. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of the, I'm glad you brought that up, John, because mm-hmm. for me, coming from my tradition, I came from a once saved, always saved, right? Mm-hmm. And and so once once you've accepted Christ, nothing can take that away from you. It doesn't matter yeah. what you do afterward. And I can remember sitting in college um, with Dr. Evelyn Romig um, and Howard Payne, and and I love her. She she's um, 
she is like a Betsy Godbold, except in Brownwood, um, in that she can just cut right through to things. Yeah. And uh, I remember sitting in Romantic Lit with her, and she just kind of stopped on this once saved, always saved. And it was a Baptist university. And she said, let me tell you something about you Baptist. <laughs> 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 and, and she went off on this. Once yeah. saved, always saved. That's hooey. You think the God who gave you the choice in the first place isn't going to give you another choice? You can walk away. And yeah. that's what it's about. It's about your freedom to walk away. And she just, she said, Theologizing frankly. in an English lit class. Yes. Or, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, wait, aren't we reading? Like, I, I think we were reading like David Copperfield. Like, yeah. you know, whether I'm the hero of my own story. I, she just, you know, we don't know yeah. that yet. You don't know what her day was like before she got there, though. <laughs> but it was, but it were really did kind of cut right through this idea of free will of, mm -hmm. oh, and it was the first time my eyes were open to when when we're asked, do we believe as pastors once saved, always saved? Mm -hmm. Yeah, if we choose it, but yeah. no, if we don't, right. God still says we can walk away. Yeah. And, and that is kind of that vulnerable part, right, is um, yeah. the the. God who loves loves in freedom mm -hmm. um, and is non-coercive and yeah. um, does not impose. And, and again, back to Merton, the essential does not impose itself. What is essential? We need God, right? For Merton, right. Yeah. for Merton, creation ceases to be if God ceases to love it, right? Yeah. Uh, and and that dives into a whole other bag of worms, um, can of worms can of worms yeah <laughs> and, and you know that get the that, idiom right um, that, that <laughs> choice instead of the determination or um that persuasion instead of coercion mm -hmm. that move happens um you know wesley makes he makes an interesting move there because again he's in conversation with the calvinists of his day in the church of england right and they have the um the view that uh, God elects some to be saved and some to be damned. And, and it's this predeterministic view. Mm -hmm. um, but what he does is, is he, it's not that free will replaces that doctrine of election for him. Right. It's that prevenient grace replaces that doctrine of election for him. Yeah. It's that God is still acting because you know the elect the the doctrine of election and, and God choosing is like, well, God is acting and doing this. Well, in prevenient grace, God is still the one acting and, and, mm -hmm. and reaching out first, but it's God acting and, and reaching out first in, in a loving way toward us and saying, will you join me? Yeah. And giving us, you know, and so it's still, it's, it doesn't put the weight of, of, uh, of the world onto the human, right? It's still, mm -hmm. this is about God, who God is, what God is doing, mm -hmm. God's grace at work, but it's, it, it's God inviting us into the into the process, into the journey, rather yeah. than saying you're on this journey and you have no say so. It's <laughs> right, and and so that's that's like a, a just a little nuance that mm -hmm. that Wesley made, um, which I think was kind of brilliant. Yeah. yeah, well, there's there's a you know to to shift up into uh, the 1900s, so you know, just a couple centuries after Wesley. Georgia Harkness, who was an American uh, mm -hmm. Methodist. Yeah. Um, she, was she the one who was involved in the, like the prohibition movement, like temperance movement? No. Okay, I have this one. W women's yeah, yeah, yeah. She's suffered. later. Okay, she's, she's much later. later. Yeah, okay. she dies in 71. See? Um, okay, good. 70s, maybe okay. not 71. I'll let I'll let her fact checker I'm, check that I'm, out. But, uh, um, I'm switching things out in my head. <laughs> 
How in the world do You're I know that? You're thinking of Carrie Nation? Yeah, question that's mark? What I, yes, of <laughs> yeah, course. Yeah, yeah, no. Georgia Harkness was not like trashing pubs and throwing Bibles right, okay. at people's heads. Okay, I, that's Carrie Nation. Okay. Um, <laughs> How in the world do I know the death day of Thomas Merton and Karl Barth is December the 10th, 1968? But I forget uh, Georgia Harkness, who is one of the most important uh, Wesleyan theologians. <laughs> She she dies in seventy four, but she did leave through live through not leave live through the temperance movement. Our fact checker says she lived eighteen ninety one to nineteen seventy four. Um, but she she writes um, in the providence of God between God's power and God's purpose, which is mm. what we're talking about when we talk about right. free will, right? Yeah. What what God's purpose or will is, and mm-hmm. and how much control or power does God exert? Yeah. She writes that everything happens by God's power but not by God's purpose, Mm. right? And it reminds me, I was listening to um, a podcast on my way down from my spiritual retreat. Um, and it, it's the Married People podcast. We partner with them for our marriage ministry here at White's okay. Chapel. I've never listened and, to this. Um, so they, there was an interview Ted Lowe was doing with a, a couple who uh, had just experienced COVID and, and the doctors were telling um, the doctors were were telling the the wife once the husband was in the hospital, this does not look good. Survival does not look good. Yeah. And and miraculously, right? That's the only word they can use because he mm. was on the brink of death. Yeah. Um. And and he has survived. And um. And when he talks about this experience, he talks about uh, people kind of doing some triage theology, God must have needed this for your witness and and yeah. how insulting they felt like that was yeah. uh, because he had a witness, right? God, mm-hmm. God had already moved in his life. He was already serving God. And he says, God did not make this happen, but God made it matter, mm. right? And I think that um, when we talk about God's power and God's will and God's purposes and, and what does God predestine yeah. versus what does God permit, I think this idea of God redeeming this time and all time, that—that mm. that is something that, that needs to be spoken into the conversation, yeah. right? Um, that oh, God definitely. does not ordain the evil in our lives, but God can make it yeah. matter. Right. It's that Psalm 23 that we hear read at funerals so often. Right. I don't think I've ever done a funeral where I didn't read the New King James Ver- translation of mm-hmm. Psalm 23. Um but it, it's so much, It's it, it means so much beyond a funeral, right? You just day-to-day life. Right. You know, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for I know that you are with me. And, like, it's not, mm-hmm. I'm, what I always get struck by in that psalm is that, you know, I will fear no evil. And it's not saying, hey, I want to fear no, fear no evil that you made happen, right? right? It's just evil is present. It's just there, and I know that I'm going to go through it, but I'm not going to mm-hmm. be afraid because I know that you're present. I know that you're with me. Yeah. Um. And so, when, and these theodicy discussions like that, um, I, I, for some reason, my mind just kind of goes back to that simple line in Psalm 23 um, that evil's going to happen and I'm going to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And, mm-hmm. but the, the point is, is, you know, God may not always save me from that valley of shadow of death, but God saves me in the yeah. valley of the shadow. God of walks death. through it with yeah. me. Yeah. You know, making that moment, like you said, making that moment matter, making that meaningful. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, where that ties into free will is, you know, sometimes a valley of shadow of death is I'm there because I made a choice that put me there. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we talk about free will for doing good, but we also do have the free will to 
make choices that negatively affect ourselves and others around us. Yeah. Um, You know, it's a double-edged sword there. And sometimes, um, you know, that, like I said, that valley of the shadow of death I find myself in is because God let me exercise my good old free will. Absolutely. And I did so in a bad way. And Mm -hmm. it, it, and it put me in that spot, and yet God is still there, yeah, and graciously and lovingly, and and saying, "Yeah, you messed up. Uh, you gonna fess up about that? <laughs> <laughs> you wanna you wanna say some more? Yeah. Well, I like where you're going with that because um, what you're hitting on when when you say, uh, you know, to quote Psalm 23, you know, your rod and your mm-hmm. staff, you know, you're with me, mm-hmm. right? You're guiding me. You're yeah. with me. You're suffering through this with me. Um, is is a even a preparing look at a our, table before. Me. Oh yeah. yeah. You're you were Maybe I love you it so are much with because me it and promises me dinner. Well <laughs> hmm. the the way to a man's heart is through his stomach, right? Um so um it's a, a nice way to think about this question of free will and think about, and I know we haven't hit Trinity yet. We haven't yeah. talked about Father, Son, Spirit, or, you know. Um, just wait, folks. But creator, Redeemer, Sustainer. We'll get to the Trinity at the end of this adult confirmation series. Dun, dun, dun. Um, <laughs> we, if you listen to the beginning, you're like, where's the Trinity? Yeah. Wait, Don't worry. It's, this is supposed to be coming. about God. Y'all haven't y'all haven't even told me who God the Trinity, is. The Trinity um, <laughs> is both our beginning point and our... Oh, look at you. You're getting so heady and theological and mystical and just all the things. Yeah. I'm going to bring you back to where I was going with Trinity. Even (laughs) even though I have low empathy. Low empathy. Yes. Um, So, yeah, we we um, when you talk about the 23rd Psalm, you know, we've got a God who is creator and a God who is redeemer. and mm. and this God who creates is still creating, right? Yeah. And and this God who is redeemer or 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 sanctifier. I'm not going to say sanctifier, sustainer. sustainer I'm going to say sustainer. Yeah. Um, it, that's the God who suffers with us. Mm-hmm. And then then you you hit it as soon as you said you prepare a table before me. Now we've got the God that's the sanctifier, mm. the God who makes it matter, right? Who mm. there's going to be a table at the end. There's victory at the end. Right, yeah. that this God does not leave us in our free will to suffer and to die. That that this mm-hmm. God ultimately gets final victory, um, and so that's that's kind of important. And and yeah. when we talk about making things matter, I, I go back to our conversation on sin. Yeah, um, you know, and I think about about what it means um, to kind of go back to. I know I, I talked about. God and the alcoholic experience with James Nelson last week, um, mm-hmm. but but to tie his analogy of of sickness uh, in with Augustine, right? Who originally gave us that idea that sin is a, a privation and a sickness, and um, uh, the thing with you know to borrow Nelson's you know uh, analogy is he says diabetes. If I'm a diabetic, I'm responsible for my insulin, right? Yeah. Once I'm aware I'm a diabetic, I'm responsible yeah. for my insulin, which kind of goes into this um, idea of, um, you know, knowing knowing a disease doesn't make it magically better, right? Right? Knowing I have free will doesn't automatically mean I'm going to make the right choice from now on, right? Um, and and knowing that I'm I'm sinful does not mean that. I'll never sin again. Mm-hmm. What what begins to matter is, am I taking my insulin? Am I receiving the grace? Am I living right. in that grace? Am I walking in that grace? Am I offering that grace to yeah. others? And that that points to, 
um, you know, this is an interesting theological subject, but like we always kind of like to point out with, you know, hey, Wesley on this subject in theology mm-hmm. is not just a heady thing. He was a heady dude. You know, he trained at Oxford. He was he was in his head a lot. Right. But smarter yeah, than me, for sure. But, um, yeah, me too. And <laughs> um, but he was very insistent that that this be a religion of both the head and the heart mm-hmm. and that it touched the, you know, the human heart and, and then be lived out in the world and be very practical. So I always say, hey, this was Wesley put these things this way so that it could be lived out, mm-hmm. so that it could be expressed and uh, in the world and translated to others, you know, uh, through action. And um, that that idea that, hey, just because I've been made aware that I have a free will, that doesn't, that doesn't just make everything okay. I've right. got to, I've got to, by God's grace, exercise this free will. Right. So think about the regimen of life in the Christian church, you know, the methodical, the Methodist way of life that Wesley prescribes, mm-hmm. you know, for those who are part of his movement and that we still, you know, kind of live in today. You know, it was about, hey, get involved in, you know, uh, in, in this meeting that meets regularly mm-hmm. and get together with those people, confess your sins, one another, ask how is it well with your soul, you know, give alms And to that the was poor. the easy question. That was the easy question. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, then also, what do you, what did you say? Like regularly receive the sacraments, mm-hmm. regularly have these important commitments to spiritual discipline and habits and worship. Why? Because you need to stay in touch because we are creatures with free will. Yeah. You need to stay in touch with the action and the grace of God. You have to intentionally rendezvous with that grace. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Get, make sure that's a very regular touch point because that's what sanctifies the human free will, right? Mm-hmm. And, and then allows it to be uh, joined in concert with what God is doing, the, works, the work that God is doing in the world. And if we stray from that, if we don't live an intentional Christian life, and what happens is our free will begins to take us in other directions that are not centered on God, but that are centered on self. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that like this free will question for Wesley was very closely tied to the order of life that he kind of prescribed. Yeah. Live your Christian life this way in a very ordered, methodical way. Um, you know, it has a high bar for, for discipline uh, and habit um, because you need to be kind of in touch with what God's doing. You need these regular touch points with God's grace uh, because then, you know, it, that's that's where you choose, you know, through that venue, that's how you choose to get in, into, um, into the work that God's doing, so. Yeah, well, I think you led us yeah. to kind of the, the question I wanted to end with, um, and I'm trying to be mindful of time, even though I've got like pages, yeah, we, pages more of things I really wanna to, say. We're trying to commit um, to doing a shorter episode. Um, <laughs> But also in our pre-show planning meeting, Kristen said, I'm an extrovert and I was just on a spiritual retreat by myself for three days. So I have a lot of words and you have like a lot of notes. And I, was I like, do. So I like, many like, pages no, of notes and no so many words. Episode. I knew this from the very beginning. <laughs> so, but I am, I am going to get us um, to, to the, what you're bringing us to is this question mm-hmm. um, that I think is a great closing question. And, mm-hmm. and it's, um, I wrote it down and like highlighted it in notes from seminary class, no joke. Um, and it was uh, a question that that Dr. Gowans, who's getting another shout out, um, asked us. And, and he said, so then what does our belief and our understanding of free will, and then I'll add, and of sin, lead us to believe and to do and to hope? 
Mm. And and I think that's um, hopefully a question that that we'll come back to even as we end this season, right? Yeah. What does all of this lead us to do, believe, and hope? Mm. Um, and that's a and to Gowan's question, I think it's also a good Wesley question. Yes. You know, because um, when we when we again we talk about theology, uh, Christian teaching, Christian doctrine, in this kind of Wesleyan lens. That question comes to bear. What does this mean? How do you live this out? How practical is it going to be? Mm-hmm. But I mean that. I mean, even just go back to we began with the Articles of Religion. <laughs> so glad you brought that up today. So going back around, um, really the the purpose of of talking about free will is you know it's so that we you know can go out and do good with God in the world. Mm-hmm. What does that do? That brings hope. Mm-hmm. That, that brings peace and justice and mercy and grace into the world. Um, and so it's got to, it does lead somewhere very yeah. important. I think it's woven all throughout the, the system of theology that we've been talking about and we'll keep talking about. Um, yeah, free will is kind of a big piece of it. Yeah. Well, the the free cooperation with God, right? That's mm-hmm. that's what allows Matthew 5, 48, right? Be perfect for your Father in heaven is perfect. Mm-hmm. That's what allows that to be a reality, right? Mm-hmm. Is the cooperation with God and sharing love, being yeah. love, loving the way God does. Yeah. Um, Jesus would not have said it if it wasn't a possibility. Right, yeah. And, and Jesus was not talking about our morals. Mm-hmm. Um, so with all of that... Um, I think it's time to wrap yeah, up. Yeah, we could wrap this um, up. And so, uh, friends, as you ponder anew uh, what all of this might lead you to do and to hope, uh, just know that beyond everything else, the best of all is that God is with us. Like us, subscribe, leave a review, send us an email at thewestpod at gmail.com. And uh, this is Kristen signing off. And John? this is John signing off, too. We'll see you all next time.